Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian, for having me. As always, it's a pleasure. The Greatest Games Podcast is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games. As always, we don't put any limits. It can be their time as an assistant coach, a CYO coach, a varsity coach, a college coach, just what they consider to be their greatest game. But today, we have a twist, Brian. We do have a twist. You know, we're always evolving, Chris. You and I, I mean, that's one. Of it, that's your middle name, I believe, is, is Evolve or Evolving or Evolution. I can't remember what your middle name is. But, you know, we, we always try to learn and grow here at the Greatest Games Podcast. So we have our very first media member coming to us from NorthJersey.com. He started the Twitter handle at Varsity Aces, which has almost 185,000 followers. Does a great job for the last 22 years covering high school sports in North New Jersey. Coming to us today, Darren Cooper. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Hey, Chris. How are you guys today? Fantastic. We're doing great. Yes, indeed. I am Darren Cooper, and an honor to be your first media guest. Olivia, we're talking about coaches, and suddenly I flashed. They're like, my all-time coaching record, though, is zero and one because senior year in high school, I was tabbed to be the coach of the girls' powder puff team, okay, one of the girls' powder puff teams. Now, listen, Brian and I are from the South. Chris, I don't know if you do powder puff in, in where you're from, wherever you're from. I've done it at Teaneck High School before, buddy. <laughs> and man so we had a draft and everything yours truly i got the best athlete in the class chrissy carroll our all-time leading scorer won the golf won the golf state title I had the best so i put it in this playbook with like five plays and we had a reverse we had everything and we were awful and they got killed because i almost i gave them too much to do i would have been better off giving them like one play and just doing that over and over again so elaine bergeron came through and killed me while she was on the other team so my coaching record is 0-1-1 but as a reporter my record is spotless perfect well you, you do have the same career record as media mogul ted turner who was also he did coach Graves, though didn't he he did, coach he did for one game he was 0-1-1 <laughs> That's a fun Brian, now, Brian, I know you didn't know that, that Ted Turner actually coached a game for the Braves back in the day. Again, you know, Darren, the joke around here, and it's not even it's, – it's only funny because it's true. History and, and, and I just don't have a great relationship. So, Chris, know you know what? You're exactly right. I did not know that. <laughs> okay, Darren, uh, what we like to do here is when we have our coaches on, we have them kind of give their resume and uh, what brought them to where they are today. So, if you could bring us through your resume as a member of the media – and how you got into that and uh, how you got to where you are today in lovely northern New Jersey. I was born in 1974. <laughs> and this is, oh, this is funny because I just stumbled across something funny the other day. Gentlemen, I don't know if you know what this is, but this is Stratomatic baseball card. Oh, okay? there you go. So, Stratomatic for Brian, he's not good at history. Stratomatic was a, almost a way of playing computer games before you could play computer games. And you would roll dice, almost like Dungeons and Dragons for baseball. And um, so I would keep a box score. And then I would write little note. I would write game stories on the back of the box score. I had to be like 12 or 13 years old, maybe younger than that. So I always knew I wanted to work in sports. 
of course, I dreamed of playing football and making a million dollars, et cetera, et cetera, but two broken legs and that didn't, that didn't happen. So <clears throat> took a shine to writing and I wrote in high school and I wrote when I wasn't losing powder puff games, I wrote in high school and then I went to um, this real awful athletic school called LSU, real awful journalism school called LSU, um, real awful school period LSU, and uh, studied broadcast journalism and worked for the TV station, the radio station, the newspaper, saw some really awful football. And then I got a job out at LSU at the New Orleans Times Picayune for a couple of years was visiting some friends from LSU over the summer in 1998. And Brian, I, listen, it's hot in South Carolina. It's hot in Louisiana. Summer's in New Jersey. It's not that hot. It's actually kind of nice. It's actually really nice. So I was, um, I applied for a job in a town called Montclair, New Jersey, the home of who made the helmet, who made the helmet catch, Chris? Who made the helmet catch? Helmet catch, helmet catch. Oh, David Tyree. Okay, I was thinking baseball. David Tyree. David Tyree, Montclair, New Jersey, um, who actually grew up in the house across the street from our office and used to go out in, like, this big oak tree and do, like, the uh, what do you call it? You, you know, the, yes, pull-ups on the big branches. Man, was he – so, like, I remember interviewing him after the Super Bowl, everything happened. He was like, I'll be all right over, and he walked across the street. It was hilarious. Um, Worked there for about six years, grew a real fondness for high school athletics and athletics in New Jersey, period, and high school athletics in New Jersey. Again, Brian's not good at history, but so like <laughs> the, the first game I see, Thanksgiving Day, 1998, New Jersey. Brian, the first play of the football game, you know what they did? Do you know what they did? They threw a pass. <laughs> they threw a pass. So I'm watching this like back in – Back in the boondocks, like, we were still running the power eye, and it was smash-mouth football. The first play, they ran up, they threw a pass. I was like, what is this? What in the world is this? So that was my first day, and I've been – I worked in Montclair for about six years, and then I moved on to the Bergen Record, a.k.a. NorthJersey.com in 03, and then I got promoted to sports columnist in 2010. And it is a far different job than it was in 2003 and 1998 and 1996 and so on and so on. Oh yeah. I can, I can only imagine how different things are from when you started to where they are now. And, you know, we've, we've got a couple of great writers around here in South Carolina do a great job of covering high school sports. And I'd love, I mean, obviously your passion shines through here in the the first few minutes of this show. Um, but what is it about high school sports that just gets you excited, that wants you, that, that has you to want to cover it to the level that you have? Again, 185,000 followers on this Twitter account that you started. So what is it about high school sports to get you excited? Well, I'd love to talk about the Twitter account, too, because I have some theories about Twitter that I don't think a lot of journalists do that I think would really help them. But to answer your question, Brian, and it's, and it's a good question. Um, I've been fortunate enough to also cover the Yankees and, and cover Rutgers games and, and, and cover when it comes to high school, like the, the, the on, it's the honesty of the competition. It's the honesty of the competition and the perspective that the high school kids and coaches and athletic directors still retain. I, 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 it, you can easily lump it in and say, well, there's no money involved. 
you know, there kind of is a little bit of money now in, in high school athletics, for sure. There's broadcast rights and everything. But the kids still retain an innocence and an honesty. And as a reporter, man, you love the honesty because, you know, college, college players and even pro, coach, pro players, it's all kind of been coached out of them. They recite cliches. They, they kind of pander to the media a little bit. And, and college kids and college coaches aren't afraid to tell you that they messed up. They're not afraid to let you know that they were emotional after the win or after the loss. And I find myself, I don't know if I've ever admitted this publicly, but I do root for kids and teams who I, over the years, and I'm sure Chris can speak to this too, and, and all your coaches can speak to this. Like, it's even a joy for me to see a freshman basketball player who I can't dribble and chew gum at the same time then be a senior and be like a real key part of a team or be a real solid contributor for a team. That, that kind of growth of getting to see kids exhibit that kind of growth over the, over the time period is really rewarding just, just for me. It doesn't matter if they win or lose to some degree. Um, it, it matters to see that progress and how they've improved as competitors and hopefully human beings. That's great. Uh, and Darren does a great job, Brian. He, I mean, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of the teams and the coaches and the players that he's covered, and he's done it in all sports in his time here in North Jersey. One of my favorite things, Darren, that you do, and if you could talk about the genesis of this, is your Christmas column and your end-of-the-year wrap-up column are two of the great columns that you do. If you could talk a little bit about them, tell Brian, or tell Brian and our listeners a little bit about them and where they came from. All right, well, I'll, I'll back up a second and say th- there, there's, there's three different things. I think Chris is talking about predictions and he's talking about Santa Claus, right? Yes. You're talking about predictions and Santa Claus? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. So th- the predictions column, all right, I stole from the guy at the Times-Picayune when I worked there. That was his thing. He would do a thing on New Year's Day and he would kind of go down the sports calendar and say, I think X is going to win. I think X is going to win. I think the Saints are going to fire their coach, blah, blah, blah. And so I took that and applied it toward high school. The, the, the biggest thing in high school sports reporting, the thing that drives people mad. Brian, you want to take a guess? What do you think the thing is that drives, that generates the most kind of response? You want to take a guess? Generates the most type of response. Well, I mean, the first thing that popped in my brain was like misspelling of, of, of names, but I don't think that's what you're that's looking for. One. Yeah. Pre- predictions. Ah. Predictions. Anytime you dare say, it can be as silly as, um, I remember getting feedback one year, like, I randomly picked who was going to win a county swimming title. No lie. Like, Wayne Hills is going to win the county swimming title. And I got two emails from people saying, like, don't you know this school X is so much better and they're going to win? I was like, oh, my goodness. So predictions has actually become almost a a moral hazard. Because you can do these predictions and um, people take them. I, I'm sure you guys from talking to coaches have heard sometimes about the whole people didn't believe in me. They didn't believe in us. They didn't believe in us. This generation of kids in high school, everybody always believes in them. Hmm. Their parents always believe in them. So maybe the first time they've ever been told, well, you're not as good as the other team and you're going to lose sometimes is, Something I would write. Well, I think Team X is going to win. Like the first, and people don't know what to do. I mean, I've been, a, I've been, I don't want to say accosted, but I have been approached after games by very angry parents 
or even worse, or like the ones who want to like, if I get the pick wrong, who want to rub my nose in it. Right. And I'll be like, okay, whatever. I'm glad you're reading, you know, whatever. More, more, more money for me. But so there's the predictions. And then on Christmas Eve, God, I don't know how I came up with this idea. But um, Christmas Eve, we all have families and everybody's family's got like a different Christmas tradition. And back home, ours was Christmas Eve. And both my grandmothers were really French. And there's nothing wrong with that. Both my grandmothers were really French. And so there was Père Noël. It wasn't Santa Claus. We had Père Noël. So I started writing a column around Christmas, Christmas Eve, where I encounter Père Noël, who then hands out gifts to, like, the best kids and the best coaches, like, the things that they would want. You know, just, you know, it's almost a way – as a, as a columnist and a reporter, it's like almost a way of recognizing, hey, I, I saw that kid or I saw that coach do that really cool thing. You should know that they did this and they should be rewarded with this gift or this present. Um, and then at the end, Santa always asks me the question, what do you want, Darren? And I always say I have the best job in the world and, you know, I don't want to I don't want to change a thing. So and then I mix in some French every year as a homage to my my grandmother so there's santa claus and then there's predictions and then there's a third thing but i guess chris doesn't like the third thing that i do on new year's day (laughs) which is another idea that's real common but where i rank the people in our world who's got the most power oh that's a great one too the power players list one through 40 and um (laughs) our area is dominated by football can you imagine that, Brian? Or imagine, you know. I, don't, I don't know anything what you're talking about. That yeah, I never no heard sense. of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, the campaigning for that list starts all year, all year long, all year long. The, the guys who are on the list, the athletic directors want to move up. They want to move down. And um, we have a lengthy debate. Me and my editor will usually go back and forth of who number one should be. But I guess Chris doesn't like that part. So I'll, I'll, have, to, I'll have to skip that this year then. There's a lot of things that in my life that he doesn't like either, Darren. So don't uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> He's a problem child. The, the, Christmas, the Christmas column is the one I really do love. Now your other ones are good, but the, the Christmas one is always so much fun. And like you said, it's a way to pay homage to the great performances and the coaches and the kids. And you know, it's and he and again, Brian, like I said, he covers all the sports in it. I mean, he'll talk about a kid who had a great performance on the tennis court, and the, as well as the kid who's going to play football you know, at Alabama or something like that. Right. And, and one of the fun things about being another, – another funny part about moving to New Jersey 22 years ago. Brian, have you ever heard of this thing called lacrosse? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, we don't have that in Louisiana either. So, like, <laughs> my, my first time – my first lacrosse game in New Jersey was my first lacrosse game ever. And, and then there's field hockey and fencing. And now – it's it's fun and, and sometimes people will be like do you really like all these sports but i'm fortunate enough in that i get to go kind of see the best field hockey games and the best lacrosse games and they are good and they are good and the best basketball games and the best girls basketball games and i hope we talk some girls basketball here chris are we going to talk any girls basketball absolutely all right <laughs> it's really interesting hearing you give that perspective because i I'm, I'm not directly coaching i'm coaching coaches right now as an athletic director 
but I'll have people in the community within our school that will come up and say, did you see so-and-so in the newspaper? They said that we're going to lose the game, you know, coming up on Saturday night or whatever. I'm thinking like for me as a coach, like, I don't, I don't really, I don't want to say I don't care, but I don't really care. Like, cause we're, we're, we're coaching our kids. We're prepping. We're and we're going to go play the game. Like what somebody else is saying doesn't matter to me, but it's amazing. Like you say, like that just gets a rise out of people that maybe not aren't involved in the game that just want to say, I, can you believe you said that? You know, it just, it, it's really interesting to hear your, your, your perspective. The funny thing, Brian, I'll let you know another secret. I've been doing this way too long. <laughs> I will sometimes, alert a coach that I'm going to, or I'll, or I'll, I'll have, I've had coaches tell me pick against us mm-hmm. if they want to use <laughs> it as motivation. Yeah. And I, and I'm like, well, shoot, I don't care. You know, They're, so, or I'll have coaches ask me, well, who are you picking so that they kind of know. Um, now I've tried to cage it a little bit over the years where I've done percentages, like I'm 70% sure team X is going to beat team Y, but that kind of falls flat. People just kind of really want to know like, Make your pick, man. Stick to it. Make your pick. <laughs> All right, Darren. So you're from Louisiana. Brian's from South Carolina. I'm going to have – How many team... Louisiana guys have you – wait a minute, wait. Do we have the Yankee outnumbered here then, Brian? We do. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. <laughs> so Brian has been fascinated as we've been doing this podcast uh, with the Bergen County coaches I've had on. We've probably had about ten of them on. And I had told Brian, since I've known him a long time, about – the Bergen County Jamboree. Brian? Yeah, so, you know, Darren, I've heard about this Jamboree for a lot of years. And honestly, like down here, when I hear Jamboree, I think high school football and I think two-quarter kind of a showcase-type game. I'm thinking – and he and, and Chris has said it for years. Like, dude, this is a legit event. We we're, we're get we're got invited to the Jamboree. I'm like, honestly, like, who cares? Like, it's a Jamboree in my verbiage. But now that I've learned about what through these Bergen County coaches, like what the Jamboree is, it sounds like a huge event. So I'd love to hear your picture of the Jamboree for my sake and for our listeners' sake, you know, because anybody outside of New Jersey is not going to know about this Jamboree. <laughs> I, I have um, – I, I, don't, I don't particularly revere the Jamboree as, as – as much as some people do. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll explain why in a minute, but it's, um, it's because the competitive balance right now is a little bit out of whack, but that's, that's a different reason. Um, the whole concept Bergen County and in this little world in Northern New Jersey, very interesting in that there's something called the law of home rule and everybody's got their own little neighborhood high schools and everybody's got their own neighborhood, neighborhood school districts. And, and so it's a real, it, I almost attribute it, it's almost like the happy days phenomenon and like everybody still plays for their old high school and the old coach has been there 25 years. That kind of like mythology or stereotype is a terrible way to say it, but that's kind of what it is. It still exists and it's a beautiful thing. It is. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's great to get caught up in it. Towns really do get behind hot teams or good players can become, you know, big stars. Um, now they're all on social media. They've become stars on social media. Um, and so before, I mean, there was even kind of like, in addition to a state tournament, there was the idea, well, let's get all these towns and schools together because they're all from different group sizes. You've got schools that have 250 people and you got schools that got 15, how many Hackensack got? 1,500, you know, 1,200? 1,700 about. 1,700 Teaneck. 
so let's play. You know, it, it's, it's that beautiful kind of Hoosiers kind of mythology, like let's put everybody in, in the gym and play. And then it's been refined to, well, you can't get all 47 basketball playing schools in Bergen County in one tournament. So they have this thing called a Jamboree Committee. Okay. And holy smoke, it's like, it's, it's like the idea, it's like the NCAA tournament. And like, there's like this committee of five guys and three liaisons who go around all winter and scout teams. And then they have a meeting and they slot the teams and they see the teams and they slot them. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing that those people work that hard and care that much to put in this time to create this simple, you know, to create this basketball tournament. So that being said, since I have been in Bergen County, the Jamboree has, it's been dominated by one team, Teaneck at first. And now it is dominated by the non-public schools. Yeah. Throw them up, Chris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's dominated by the non-public schools. So while there is great anticipation for the Jamboree and there's great um, expectations on the Jamboree and it still matters to the teams and everything, it's not exactly the same as it was 20, 25 years ago because the – but it's it, but it's different and it's, but it's still good in that I I can tell you right now, and we did a show ourselves on NorthJersey.com where we predicted who's going to win and we were you know Bergen Catholic's going to win Bergen Catholic's going to win Bergen Catholic's going to win they actually did not win St Joe's won so the other non you know there's four really good non-public schools and they have the best players and they they're well coached and they're going to win so but what the what what has started to be the best part of the tournament is almost like the round of 64 in the NCAAs or the sweet 16 in the NCAAs where you have the, the smaller public schools against the bigger public schools and they knock them off or they hang with them for three and a half quarters and it, you got a good finish. So, but the, the intrigue about the final and who wins the championship has, has kind of waned somewhat. It's still a good, it's still a good tournament. It's run really well. The crowds are into it, but there's a little less, it, you know, it, it's a little less interesting overall because the same teams keep winning. But, that, but that's just a byproduct of it's a county tournament. Every team in the county is allowed to get in, and you have non-public schools and big schools. What, what's happened, and I'd love to hear your guys' take on this at some point. You know, just, just in my 20 years, and I went to a non-public school, and we were terrible um, in high school, is I think everybody now has good coaches. I think everybody has good coaches, just about. Not everybody, but everybody's got good coaches. And if you have good athletes, you definitely have good coaches. And where I think bigger public schools were able to get by some of the, the talent disparity of the non-public schools is they had better coaches. But I think the non-public coaches are better, just as good, if not better. And so when that's even, when the talent level is not even, the better talent automatically usually wins out. I, you may have already heard from Jay Mahoney. For, Chris has probably told you stories about Jay Mahoney. We'll go to tiny little school, Coach Pat Sullivan, you know, and won this tournament 30 years ago, 31 years ago. There's no better coach in America, pound for pound, than probably this guy. He is Bobby Knight Jr. He's intense. 
but he's also adapted with the times and his teams play up and down and they shoot the three and they play defense and they get after you. But he can't, he can't coach his talent level up to the talent level that the non-public kids have. He's as good a coach as he is. He just, he walks in and is like, they got a 6'10 kid going to Notre Dame. I got a 6'1 kid going division three. My 6'1 kid going three is going to give me every single thing he's got, but he's not going to block the shot of the 6'10 kid going to Notre Dame. It's just not, just not going to happen. So I think that's what's, that's what's, that's what gets me about the Jamboree right now is, yeah, I, I understand the history and its place in North Jersey, New Jersey athletics, but it's not quite the same feeling as maybe it used to be. I would agree with that, Darren. I think that's an accurate assessment of it. But I think you, you, you honed in on the real key point, though, that, that first, those first round or two, you know, with the, with the bigger publics and like just, just like the NCAA tournament, that's, those are the fun days. Even the NCAA tournament, people talk about they love it. But the final four is always a bunch of number one and number two seeds anyway, for the most part. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, UMBC upsets Virginia, but that was it. They upset Virginia and they got killed in the next game. Like, you know, I mean, so, yeah, that's definitely it. Um, one more question before we have you talk about games. We're going we're gonna to hone in on basketball now, um, especially. Tell me if you can think of one, but, you know, maybe a couple of single-game performances, the best single-game performances you've seen by a high school basketball player, boys or girls. Ooh, I wasn't prepared for that. I, you know what? I, I have been given thought to y'all's question and, and, the, and the idea of the greatest game. Um, and the, 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 the thing that goes back to me, the thing that comes back to me is, and I'll, I'll tell a New Jersey story too, but back in Louisiana, we were in my high school, which wasn't very good, was in the same district the same league as the school called Isidore Newman. Isidore Newman is where these quarterbacks, I know we're doing a basketball show, but these quarterbacks named Manning went to school and this guy named Odell Beckham Jr. went to school. So all three Manning kids, and I'm the same age as Peyton, and then his older brother Cooper is a little older than me. And they came to my high school and – they had another superstar on the team, a kid named Randy Livingston, who's now coaching at the uh, Yeah, and, and Randy was an amazing player. So that was the biggest – That when, when you asked me, like, my own personal greatest – was that night when Cooper and Peyton Manning and Randy Livingston played in my high school. That was the most amazing single-game performance I've ever seen. I, I don't I, – uh, I, I, I don't ever – Huh. remember any single I, I none comes right off the right off the top of my head we we had the, the most recent girl we had a girl at a non-public school named Michelle Sador who's now a freshman at Michigan just finished her freshman year at Michigan and I remember all the hype on her freshman year this girl could play this girl could play you got to go see this girl she, she could play and just thinking all right she's just Small school good. Just kind of small school good. That, that's a thing that exists, you know, up here by us. You can be good. You can be big school good. And you can be small school good. And then watching her play for the first time and being like, oh, my goodness, she's not small school good or big school good. She's just plain good. I mean, her, her, 
Her shot was pretty. She was confident. She went to the basket. She was she was fantastic. That's that's the most recent um, example I can think of. Uh, there are stories I I, I um, you know Nas Reed Nas Reed you know he went to LSU for a year and I remember seeing him play for this is Patrick School I remember seeing him play in the tournament of champions final and that same kind of uh, thought process like both teams are uber talented but Nas Reed was just one nugget ahead of everybody else you know he could get the ball and score when he wanted to he get position when he wanted to so he's a name that that comes up you know I um we have we're blessed with always have sensational guards you know Leandre Washington I'm sure Chris remembers Leandre Washington he was a teenage superstar I mean he, he he put on a show one year in, in the state in the state final uh that was that he he comes to mind he was at McNeese State. We got to circle back to Louisiana. He, he he was at McNeese State, so those are the ones that come. Those are the ones that come to mind. I, but you know, I'd almost flip it around and say though, like it's more rewarding. Basketball is such an ultimate team game, and it's more rewarding to see teams excel than maybe an individual at times. More more rewarding to to see that happen than so. That's why I think more teams excelling pops out to me more than a, more than an individual. Well, that will take us to the, 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 the point of the podcast and all this has been amazing to hear your stories and your journey, but uh, we're not going to pin you down to one greatest game, but uh, cause I know you've seen about a million, but uh, can you tell us about some of the greatest games that you've ever seen um, and as, as much background information and, and why those games may be so special to you over your time as a, as a writer? I had just started um, I had just started as columnist and I was working at the, the in addition to the Bergen County Jamboree there's a tournament in Passaic County which is much different than Bergen County it, it's it's got Patterson New Jersey in it and Patterson is still a hard-hit socioeconomic area and the, and the kids still play basketball you know it, they, they, the kids still play basketball and the Passaic County tournament is still a big deal. It's where Tim Thomas has played in. He was a big time superstar. He, pl- he played for the Knicks. Um, and so while the Jamborees got luster and the, the Passaic County tournament's a little more gritty. I think Chris would agree with that concept. It's a l- little more gritty. It's a little more, I don't want to say playgroundish, but it's a little more, it's just a little more gritty. It's a little more physical. And so I was, I had just started. And we had a game, we had the Passaic County final come down to a, a young man named Jordan Thomas, a freshman from a non-public school tie game, non-public school against, against Eastside, one of the inner city schools. And he launched, a, you know, just a, a heave, a, a, a three-quarter shot before the buzzer that just went straight and true right into the net. And it was just utter pandemonium. I, I had never seen, I almost couldn't believe that that had really happened, you know, like, oh my goodness, this kid just made this, you know, three quarter court shot so much. So guys, you know how, you know, there are six baskets overhanging gymnasiums and they, and they roll up the baskets on the, on the other side. I mean, we talked about how his shot actually went over one of the 
basket almost hit, maybe it went over, it almost hit one of the recoil baskets up to the ceiling. So that's how much of a wing and a prayer this shot was. And it, and it won the county title for his team. His name was Jordan Thomas. I hate, which is a, is that a good basketball name or what? Jordan Thomas? <laughs> yeah, a little, little bit of a basketball name. So as far as greatest game, that, that is the first one that comes to mind. Um, you know, I, I have to go back to um, before I worked at the record in Bergen County and I worked in Montclair, the, the, the coach in Montclair was a fellow by the name of Major Jennings. And I was young and dumb. And I would literally sit right behind him on the bench. I don't, I don't just, just charting stuff. I would literally sit right behind him. And he had a ball player by the name of uh, Jock Sparrow, who was Rory Sparrow's son. I know Chris knows who Rory Sparrow is. Brian, I know you don't know history, but you know where Rory Sparrow is? I, I do not. Please Chris enlighten me. Chris him for a second. <laughs> Rory Sparrow was a, was a big-time player. Where, where's Rory from? Is Rory from Teaneck? Is Rory no, Teaneck? he's not from Teaneck. No? I think he's, he's got some kind of – so – and I would sit right behind Major – and after a while, after doing this for two or three years, like I almost felt like a part-time assistant coach. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like I would give advice, and, you know, or he'd look at me. And I, could, I was almost in the huddle. And, I mean, it was totally inappropriate for a reporter. But, I, again, I was young and dumb. And, I mean, you know, I, did, I didn't know any better. And um, their big rival was, of course, Teaneck. And I did – I did – always been fascinated by John Feinstein, a season on the brink, you know, it's one of the best sports books yeah. ever. I, I actually just recently yeah. reread. Yeah. And so I decided one week I was going to basically embed myself with the, with the boys basketball team. And the, the marquee game of that week was they were playing T-neck on a Wednesday at like four o'clock in, in the gym. And even though it was Wednesday at four o'clock, the gym was packed. And Montclair had a, a kid named Ronnie Burrell who would go on to UNC Greensboro, big 6'6", tall kid, be a great player today in that in 1999, you still put 6'6 kids in the post. Nowadays, you'd see if they could dribble and, and, and do something with the ball, and he could, but he was 6'6". He went to the post. I mean, isn't it fascinating how the game's evolved that way, guys? I mean, yeah, he, would be, he would be better in the positionless basketball. Exactly, player. exactly. And he went off and had a monster game, and Montclair was leading by 15 with, like, four minutes left in the game. But Teaneck was just too good. <laughs> Teaneck was just too good. They, they pressed him, and they came back to win the game. And so that was all part of my a season on the brink week, and that's one of the greatest games I remember. I, I cannot remember the team. Curtis March was the Teaneck coach, of course. Curtis was one of the nicest gentlemen to walk planet Earth. Um, and – they, you know, it showed me how – it's funny how in, in all sports, the high school game tips us off to how the game evolves at the college and the pro level. Like, you know, like I said about the 6'6 kid, nowadays he would be, he would be you know, running – he might be running a point because he might have those kind of skills. And I think that – I think that we're starting we, – we, that started to happen in other sports 
in high school and it's kind of trickled its way up in in other sports because what who what basketball coach nowadays doesn't want his best player to handle the ball you know even if he's six four and is the tallest player by three by so why i bring back why i circle back to the montclair t-neck game was it showed me how the game was evolving towards guards and handle the ball you know that yes montclair had the six six kid who was a d1 talent but t-neck had the guards and over time the pressure in the guards was going to be too much. It would turn the ball over, and, and Teaneck would win the game. What, so, what, year, what year was that, Darren? Great question. You know, and I will get – it might be 01. It really okay. might be 2001. Um, I still – it like, coaches all have favorite teams. Reporters all have favorite stories. But, like, deep down, there are stories we have that are our, our favorites. And the story I did that week, um, cause I went to practice all that week and everything was, is, is really one of my top five stories of all time. So that's why that, that stands out to me as one of the greatest games. The, the, in Bergen County, I mean, the, the, the fun games are, you know, there was a, there was a recent one, geez, there was a girls basketball game for a sectional title where a freshman girl from Creskill had to make a free throw to win, to win the game at the end. I mean, th- th- those happen. I, I almost feel like those happen all the time, you know, at games I was at. You know, it is, it is currently 2020. It is, it is spring 2020. We're going through this unprecedented, crazy time, okay? The last sporting event I saw was a double overtime boys basketball game between two non-public powers. That was a fantastic basketball game that could that could easily be written up as one of the greatest games where like Bergen Catholic had a chance to win the game at the end of regulation. St. Peter's had three chances to win the game at the end of the first overtime. And then it just became like just a test of wills. You know what I mean? Just like, are, are, are you going to back down? Are you going to miss a shot? Are you going to turn the ball over? And then finally St. Peter's kind of blinked and Bergen Catholic won. And then in the time frame that I drove home from the game, the entire world decided to shut down because of coronavirus and everything. So I'll, I'll, I'll remember that game for multiple, multiple reasons. It's, it's definitely also one of the greatest games I ever saw, saw too. So, you know, if I had to list, I mean, you always have like the personal favorite of your own high school and, and the Mannings, because I tell people all the time about the Mannings playing basketball and they don't believe me. I'm like, no, oh, they, they played basketball and they were, and they were good. And then I, I, I think about Jordan Thomas's shot, and then I think about the, the double overtime game I, I just saw. So those are some of the greatest games, basketball games I've ever seen. I'm surprised um, you didn't mention 2015 uh, Jamboree game at Tenafly High School where the Cresco Cougars upset the Hackensack Comets, but I'm just saying, I don't, you know. Who was, the, who, who was coaching that Cresco team? Anybody? You know, I, I don't know the, the assistant coach was tremendous. That's all yeah, I know. Coach was where did he go? Where did he go out to eat after that game? I don't remember, but I kept telling my head coach to tell uh, to Matt Flood to shoot the ball. That was the, that was the assistant <laughs> coaching. That was great assistant coaching. Get the ball to Matt Flood. That was that was our game plan. That was that that was that that just underscores Brian the point before about what what's been what has become the best part about the jamboree. And, you know, has been the little schools against the big schools. Chris, Chris is being humble, but he is a very good coach. Um, he's being humble. But then the thing is, like, then Creskill has to end up facing one of the big 
superpowers. And it, it, it's almost a shame because the coach and the assistant coach deep down knows they're not going to win. <laughs> you know, it is, I mean, we're just, we're just not going to win. We're, 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 we might hang with them for a quarter. We might hang them with them for two quarters. And, but deep down, and that, and that's kind of crummy. That's kind of a crummy. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, it, it's kind of crummy, but you know, on the flip side though, you tip your hat to the, to the guy on the other side, man. He's good. He's worked hard. He's well coached. He's in shape. He wants to win too. It's 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 just um, just a fact of life. And I, well, we I would say too about the experience for the kids that yeah they they may be going to the game thinking like we have no shot, but there's always a little bit of a kid that's thinking, I think we can do it. But then they're you know twenty thirty years from now they're going to say if that time we won a jamboree game and then we faced faced off against blank Tim Thomas whoever it is right. and just be you know and just. Those are the things that we talk. I talk to my coaches all the time, and, and Chris will laugh at me. I've already referenced the Bojangles Bash yet again, but it's a, a national event that we host at Ridgeview. And we've had Abraham Lincoln from out in Brooklyn come down yeah. to South Carolina with Tiny Morton, bringing great teams in. And, and our kids might get their brains beat in, but they can say, Wow, we played against Abraham Lincoln or we played against Huntington Prep, Oak Hill Academy. When they, you know, sure. it just it's, it's, it provides an unbelievable experience for kids, too. Well, I think, though, you go, we go back to the Jamboree, and I'm not just talking about Cresco because I wasn't even part of this team, but we had Dan Egero on one of the early episodes. And his greatest game was he talked about when they upset Don Bosco uh, to go to the, the, the round of four, to go to the final four in the Jamboree. So I think every once in a while that happens in the Jamboree, so it keeps the hopes alive for everybody. Because going into that game that day, I mean, I was there – I didn't expect Creskill to beat Don Bosco that day, and they played a great game and did. You know, Luka Radovich hit the big shot there at the end in overtime. Well, I, I go back to Jay Mahoney and Bogota for a second. They always talked about how they won the, they won the title, the Jamboree title, but the big game was, was Bergen Catholic in the semifinals. You know, that was, that was really the – yeah. That was, that which, was, I was, which I was denied access to by the Hackensack Police Department, me, my brother, and my dad, and they let P.J. Carlissimo into the damn game just because he was the coach at Seton Hall. Breaking story. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. <laughs> Not that I'm better. Did you file charges? <laughs> um, but that's what they talk about, you know, was beating the, the tiny little group one school, beating, beating the big um, public school that year. That was, that, was the big, that was the big one for them. That was fun. It, it, it's fun. The, the, the idea behind the, the idea behind y'all's podcast is, is a great concept. I mean, because it, it's been not having not been from North Jersey and New Jersey to hear the stories about games that were played up here 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, the, the 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 connection people still have to their their memories of the greatest games we you know right now since there's not a lot of sports going on we we've started a series online and in the paper online on northjersey.com what is it brian which one northjersey.com at varsity aces yeah. very good very oh well okay done, oh, well, oh man okay so uh, where you. you know the sports writers have, we've all gone around for years and said well what's the greatest game you've seen what's the greatest game you've seen and then we said, you know what? There's nothing else going on the right about. Let's let's call up some of our old coaches around here, dating way back. You know, what's the greatest game you ever saw? And you know, I I just wrapped up one today, 
And this guy's been watching Fairlawn sports for 71 years. You know what I mean? And he's talking about games in 1958 and 59 and in vivid detail. You know what I mean? He, he can explain what happened. So we have, it, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun thesis. To t it's a fun concept, fun thing to talk about. The other thing we, we just started talking about um, to piggyback, you know, maybe our next round is like, what's the most bizarre game you've ever seen? Like what's, what's absolutely like the, the craziest kind of like, how did that happen moment? Or, you know, because we all have those stories too. You know, we all have those stories. Like, can you believe that that really happened? Um, so we, we've been talking about doing that as well. So if you ever want to do a spinoff, all right? Everyone to spin the show off. I got to have a spinoff, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, okay, Darren. Now, you are not a coach, so you have not received the technical foul. Sometimes oh, wait. Technical fouls. But you, before we started, you said you did say that uh, you've had some run-ins, maybe, that, that are <laughs> sort of like technical fouls. So um, since I was a wannabe athlete, um, but I was a reporter, and so I was, I was that guy in high school who was on the PA doing play-by-play, -play. right? I, I was that guy, I'm sorry to say. 1993, I was, I was that guy. No, not 1993, 1980s, 1980-something, I was that guy. And I, I had a coach come up to me. I'll never forget it. I had a coach come up to me in, like, the first minute of the game and be like, you know, son, you can't do that. And I was scared out of my 14-year-old mind. And so I was like, yes, sir. And then I basically was quiet for the rest of the game and just, and just called it straight. So that, that memory has stuck with me forever because he, he, like, he made a point of coming over and being like, you can't do play-by-play -play over, you know, over the PA. And um, that was my run. And I, I, you know, technical fouls, though, is a, is a funny, you know, how many referees have you had on yet? Come on, you all have ref the referees are the unsung heroes in in, in all of this, man. I, mean, I will effort. I will effort getting Mark Batar on. I will do. Oh, more. Ed Camp, baby, Ed Camp. Ed Camp, yeah, it's Ed Camp. Ed Camp's a good high one. school and professional official. Yeah, I can get Joey Cruz too. Joey Cruz, oh. high level college baseball. But we we have to tell Brian who Ed Camp is. So Ed Camp is an NFL referee. Okay. He really? worked the Super Bowl two years ago. Two years ago. Wow. Yeah, two years ago. Not the last one. The worked Super Bowl two years ago. And he's, a, he's one of their few full-time referees. And, but he got his start refing Bergen County games. And so sure enough, he, did the, he didn't do the Jamboree final this year, but he did it last, and he did, he did the girls' final this year because I talked to him. So it's funny, parents, Brian, I'm sure you might have, run across this in your travels where parents don't really think that the refereeing is all that good. I've seen it a few thousand times. Yes. Few thousand yes. Times, yeah. yeah. So it's really something when you can kind of point out that like your little, not Ricky day, but your little, you know, boys basketball game over here is being officiated by an NFL or referee. Okay. So like you can say that they're no good, and by the way, it was pass interference in 2019. We all know. Oh, that. But, but all right. <laughs> so it was pass interference, but they're still the top. They're still at the top, right? They're still considered the best refs in the world. And here he, he takes his time out to do, you know, high school basketball still. And he does a good job. He doesn't put up with any bull. I tell you that much. Yes, that is very true. It is. 
I hear that story and I hear that there's hope for, for all of our officials. And I love all of our guys down here and they're doing the best they can, but seriously, there is hope that, that, that you never know when you'll have the next, next superstar in terms of a, of a referee. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Like, and we have, um, I'm sure Chris has told you for a long time, Bill Parcell's brother was a referee forever and ever. His name was Doug Parcell. He, he, he recently passed away, but he was a referee at our games too. And everybody in Bergen County knew who he was. So nobody was going to talk malarkey to him. So it, it was, it, it's interesting to have those authority figures, these random authority figures walking around um, with these amazing credentials. Well, Darren, I tell you what, uh, like I said before, and has been mentioned about 19 times during this podcast, history and I are not great friends, uh, but it's been awesome to hear your stories, and we just can't thank you enough for for coming on the show today. It's been it's been it's been amazing. Are you going to remember me? Absolutely, I'll remember you. And you know what? I, what I will also remember is Stratomatic. You got your start working working with, with Stratomatic, but writing stories there. And I'll, I'll remember NorthJersey.com. That's probably going to be the first URL that I'm going to visit tomorrow morning. And, of course, I'm going to remember Varsity Aces on Twitter. So, yes, absolutely, I'll remember you. I'll, I'll, can, I, can I get my Twitter spiel? Can I Please. Get my spiel? Fire away. So, again, they didn't teach us anything at LSU, but – they did, I, mean, I could tell you the story about the football players showing up on the last day of class and getting grades. I mean, that was, that was, that was, <laughs> but um, like I was, I had this astronomy class and the last day we're taking the final and I look up and now I'm covering football for the student paper. And I know these guys and I'm like, y'all have never been in this class all year. And, and they showed up kind of slapped five with the, with the professor and walked out. And I was like, uh, all right. Okay. So, um, they did not teach us anything about Twitter in 1996 at LSU. So I, I'm, I'm lucky to say my sister's an editor. and She got me hooked on Twitter because I was tired of texting coaches the scores of games. Mm-hmm. By, by this time, we, we could text everybody, and everybody would be like, well, who won this game? Who won this game? Who won this game? And you'd be texting. My sister was like, you got to go on Twitter. So I, I lucked out in that I, I happened to hit – just the right market at the right time. We have a very devoted fan base um, who, and even if you've graduated from Teaneck High School and you don't necessarily want to know how good their basketball team is day in, day out, you still, if you could access it as easily on your phone and press the button and be like, ah, Teaneck's beating Hackensack tonight, 78-50, you know, in the fourth quarter. That's kind of cool. So, and I approached it almost like it was a text message where you're, you're speaking to the most committed, determined, and um, knowledgeable Teaneck football fan or Teaneck basketball fan at that very moment. You know, t- instead of talking down to him, talk up to him. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what this is the game situation. Fourth quarter, 50 to four, you know, 50 to 49. 12 seconds left, Teaneck inbounding the ball, blah, blah, blah. They got two timeouts left. And amazingly, people kind of respond to that. People want to follow that. They, they kind of enjoy um, that level of – it's not intelligence, but, you know, just kind of like explain to me the details. Um, I also – I try not to pander. I very rarely say, read this story. This is a great story. I've never posted a, a meme or a GIF in my 
entire career, <laughs> and I'm hoping that that continues because that drives that kind of that drives me nuts. The other thing I I really tried to stay away from this is my one personal pet peeve in journalism, and I know you guys want to go and we got, the, but I don't I don't talk to too many other journalists because I always feel like when when the journalist is sitting courtside at the final four and he's complaining about the food in the you know in the press room i'm always like do you know how many other people would eat the lousy chicken fingers mm-hmm. and be sitting in your seat you know there's, there's hundreds of that so it just comes across pompous mm-hmm. so i try never ever to forget that part on twitter and just try to be people do complain some people and you know what you want to know something too some people make good points. You know? <laughs> some people, some people might complain, and some people might say, "You should have written this, or you got that prediction wrong, or something." <laughs> yeah, you know, I got that one wrong. It, it, it's not the end of the world. So, I'm real proud to have seen the audience grow, because you would think that, like, once the senior class graduates, they'd all stop following, but it, it doesn't. It just kind of grows. They, you know, the senior class, and then I'm constantly following new kids every year, you know, like class of 23, basketball player, class of 23, hockey player, class of 20, constantly following, you know, those kind of kids. So it just kind of grows. And I'm, I'm real proud that the, that I just kind of lucked out that the, the tone is just kind of right. The, the, mm-hmm. the tone it just kind of works. Well, it's a, it's an important service. And I see now that you, you joined in, in 2009. So I've been at it for almost 11 years. So you got in, I would say pretty early yeah. and, and being able to be consistent with, like you say, just, just clean information. Here's what's going on. I mean, what, you know, we do it down here. We're pretty active on, on our, on our social media and, and just tweeting game scores and what, you know, whether it's basketball, football, or any sport that, that we're at, it's, it's really, really neat to have that interaction with, with folks that are maybe in a different part of the state watching another game and it's like like you say the old days like texting people what's the score now they can just pull out their phone and say hey Ridgeview's up on Westwood right now and it's just it it creates even more excitement and um you know I'll I'll talk to some ADs they feel like oh it takes away like we don't want to tweet everything we wanted to buy a ticket and come to the game like no like just get get the information out there let some people have some fun they'll come to the games eventually now you know let's let's, let's grow the sport remember they they used to want to like blackout baseball games because You know, they, they thought it would hurt attendance. All it really did was multiply the audience. Mm-hmm. All it did was multiply the audience. So yeah. you're just fostering more interest in, in your game and your teams. Yeah. Well, again, at Varsity Aces, uh, we are our followers here at 816 Basketball. So we're going to see if we can push you up over 185,000 followers here during this this quarantine time. But, uh, again, everybody can check out Stratomatic. I'm, I'm going to start Googling that and figure out what that is. And, and maybe, you know what, maybe I'll turn into a sports writer or sports columnist. I'm going to say columnist. Get that correct, Brian. Get it correct. But, again, NorthJersey.com. Darren Cooper, thanks so much for, for joining us today. It's been a real blast. Thank you, Brian. So for my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield, and thank you for listening to this special episode of The Greatest Games. 